0: Friends and welcome to the Midbacker Pod, part of the Free Trail Network of Podcasts. I am your host, Troy Meadows, and I am stoked to bring you informative and relatable content from people just like you, everyday runners pushing their boundaries and doing extraordinary things on and off the trails. Today on the pod, I am chatting with Deb Hamberlin. Deb is a mother, multiple business owner, and trail and ultra runner. She is also a vibrant member of the Free Trail community. In today's episode, we talk about the transition from marathons to trails, the Grand Canyon, rim to rim to rim, a route that Deb is very familiar with, the importance that the Free Trail FEMS, uh, the all-women's online running group within Free Trail, has had in providing a safe space to discuss women's specific issues in running, her balancing of work, family, and running needs, as well as Deb's epic race calendar for 2024. We also talk about the importance of refraining from where you are with your running, with respect to your age, in order to continue to find the stoke needed to toe the line and find longevity in the sport. We also dive into some of the things that Deb does herself to create the longevity that she has had in her running. This was a fun conversation and I very much enjoyed getting to know Deb and her background. I hope you glean some insights and some inspiration from this conversation. Okay, you know the drill. If you love the pod week after week, there are a few things that you can do to show your support. Tell your running friends about the pod. Share a link to an episode with your long run text group. Drop a recommendation in your local Facebook run group. You can order one of those huge magnetic signs and put it on your car door. (laughs) But in all seriousness, word of mouth is the most effective way to help get the word out. You can sign up for the Midpacker Pod Patreon and support the work that I do on the pod directly. I produce, edit, and record this pod solo. So if you love what I do, right now, it's just a buck a month. You can find a link in the show notes. Give the pod a rating and review wherever you get your pods. Remember you can give a review for each episode you listen to. So keep those five stars coming. Also, if you have any comments, critiques, or guest suggestions, feel free to submit a response to the Midpacker Pod suggestion form. I've put a link at the top of the show notes uh, for each and every episode. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. It really means the world to me. Now, let's get to the show with Debbie Hamberlin. Right, friends, welcome back to the Midpacker Pod. I am here with my guest for the day, uh, Deb Hamberlin. Deb, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Troy. Appreciate it. Yeah,
0: you're you're very very welcome. Um, and uh, I'm excited to dive into some of this stuff. Like you're uh you, you got you've got quite a bit going on, and uh, I'm I, I definitely um am, am excited to unpack it. Uh, I have def I have most definitely appreciated like all of your um input on office hours um i know we met through free trail and the free trail community um but i've definitely loved getting to know you over the last like year or so of, of being on the calls and it's been it's gonna be really nice to to do an episode on the pod with you so
1: well that's great i mean i'm really thankful for that tree the free trail family so getting to meet people like you and um dylan and harmony it's it's been fun
0: Right, right. So I'm going to jump right on into it. And the question I ask all of uh, all of my guests is, you know, who is Deb Hamberlin?
1: Oh, that's a big package to unload there. Um, you know, I am a wife. Um, I'm a mom, um, five stepchildren, uh, one daughter, 17 grandkids, three great grandkids. <laughs> we can get into that. um I am. My background is finance real estate. So I am a numbers person, done a lot of banking. I'm a business owner. Um, my husband and I have about 10 real estate related businesses. Uh, I act as the CEO and the CFO of those companies. I'm also a running coach, um, I'm an ultra runner, and um, I'm just an outdoor enthusiast, you know, overall anything outdoors. I love to ski. Um, I love hiking in the mountains. Um, but I grew up here in Arizona, so I'm a desert dweller, so I love the heat first of all. yeah
0: and what what part of Arizona are you in right now?
1: Uh, I'm in Tempe, which is just outside okay. of Phoenix suburb yep. of Phoenix yep
0: yeah my my um my wife is a, at one point is and still is a metalsmith, and we would go to the gym show in Tucson uh, every year for like eight eight or eight or nine years. So I know that whole that whole corridor up from Tucson into Tucson, uh, up at Tucson into Phoenix and then into uh-huh. Flagstaff. I've spent quite a bit of time in, 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 the state of Arizona in a, I, I like the desert South, South, uh, Southwest as well. Um, though, you know, here I am on the East coast. So, um, <laughs> well, Deb, you've got, uh, you got a lot going on and we're going to try to unpack some of the stuff. Um, you know, but I think, I usually like to start these conversations is what what actually brought you to running and then ultimately onto the trails?
1: Yeah, I mean, I started running very, very recreationally in college. And that was just kind of something easy to get into time-wise, a little bit of exercise. My background growing up in high school wasn't a lot of sports, but I was a swimmer because what else do you do in Phoenix? Um, you know, my mom put us, you know, my brother and I in swim lessons when we were when I was three, you know, just because that's all you could do. Uh, summertime to keep us busy when we weren't in school. And so I swam growing up. Um, but then like my senior in high school, we was like the very last season and I had nothing to do. Swimming was over. Um, I was like a very non-athletic cheerleader. You know, I could kick high kick. That was about it. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, I'll go out for the track team because I liked being active. I liked being outdoors. I was terrible at it. Had friends on. They would just stick me into any event that they didn't have somebody but it was my introduction to like running uh, you know a little bit around the track and so then when I went into college I was like okay I could run three miles five you know max five you know for a super long but it was mostly like three miles just to keep in shape a little bit um but uh when my daughter was born um gosh, 25 plus years ago, Um, that was when I was like, I need to do something a little bit more to get myself into shape. And back then there was this, you know, old fashioned newspaper that called Sweat Magazine that, you know, came around once a week. And I would just like pour through that on lunches when I was working and, and saw they had a couch to marathon program. And so I signed up for the first marathon couch to to marathon, uh, three months they take you to it. And I ran my first marathon in 2000 the Tucson marathon and that started it. I was hooked ever since.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah. And the Tucson, that's a, um, that's a good one. That's, isn't that, is that, that's a net
1: downhill, right? It's a net downhill. I'm I'm sorry. It wasn't. Okay. I take that back. It wasn't Tucson. It was Las Vegas. And then my next went to Tucson, Las Vegas marathon, but same is exactly the same, same feel desert. At that time, the Las Vegas was, it went from Henderson to the strip. They've changed it since then. Uh, the format when rock and roll took it over, but yeah, um, just net downhill. And, uh, I, from there, I just continued to doing marathons. I got hooked right away when I, I just loved the lifestyle of training every day, going out for long runs, um, with a, with a baby at the time, um, babies like structure and I was able to get my life into structure. So if my, if I get up super early, I could get my run in, I'd come back, you know, by that time, then, you know, my husband was home, you know, he would get ready, he'd go to work. Um, I was working full time as well. So then we had some help that would come in, but I was able to get that real good structure. And then on a Saturday, do a long run and then Sunday you're off. So it worked. It was great. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, Were you doing a lot of stroller runs? I know when, when, when my son was young, uh, mm -hmm. younger, um, especially last year, I had him in a stroller a lot and I was like. Man, this gets you strong. Like, talk about getting strong. Like, yeah. I am always fearful. I, whenever I, will like pass women with like the double stroller pushing the twins, and I'm like, I am so scared of of of, of this person because I know how strong they are to be able. Well, to Well, I, I get uh, yeah, I'm intimidated outside. when
1: they they pass me. You know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just had a screamer, and uh, she okay. was not in for it. You know, there's ones that yeah. like to be strapped down, and there's ones that like to be on their two feet. Yeah. And yeah, mine could not stand to be strapped down. And so when I push strollers around, she'd usually be running on the side and it was just to stuff my bags. in because I never yeah. got any use. Yeah.
0: Well, you can't run, you can't run with the, you can't even run with a toddler because as much as they think they're going fast, they, they, they yeah. can't really yeah. keep up. Yeah. My <laughs> son is the, like he's got like 25 minutes and he's passed out, you know, like very rarely mm-hmm. did he make it through a run without uh, taking a little nap. So, um, No, very cool. So it sounds like your, and then your journey to the trails, did that just like, was that just a natural progression, um, of your running journey from, from road marathons?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very normal where you during a marathon and after you've done a couple, then you're like, I want to qualify for Boston. So you make that your goal. And, you know, I've, I was, you know, I did pretty well. I wasn't an, definitely not elite. I'd say middle of the pack, kind of a runner, but I got to where I could qualify for Boston and I pretty much was running, you know, the same times, time after time, regardless of what mm. the the race was. And, you know, after 40 or 50 of those, you know, and I was, I started doing a couple a year, then I was doing one every month and, and, um, it just wasn't the challenge anymore. And I ran into a group of ladies who needed somebody to fill into a 200 mile relay, um, where you you run 10k at a time over 200 miles. And um, I was all in. I was like, "Sure, I'll 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 sign up with you guys." Well, I didn't know the background of these ladies. It was a mixture of ultra runners and Ironman athletes. So they kind of got me that taste of what is a 100 miler, you know, people that do 100 milers, they were the ones that first introduced me to the Grand Canyon. So they took me out and uh, showed me doing rim to rim to rim in two days. And that was my introduction. And and uh, I just kind of looked up to the lady, these ladies of what they did and what was incredible. And And after you do rim to rim to rim in two days, that's about 50 miles. It kind of opens up the possibility that your body could do it in one shot. And, uh, yeah, so that was it. So from there with a lot of encouragement from those ladies, um, I ended up signing up for American river 50 and, uh, that was my, that was my first ultra. Yeah. I think I did that back in 2005. Yeah. So I went from my first marathon in 2000 to, to the 50 in 2005.
0: Yeah, no, very cool. And I, I should have, I didn't, but you know, your, your ultra sign up is just like a, what's what of, of, of races and ultra races. Like you run, you race, you've, you've raced a lot over the years, Deb. And, uh, uh it's a testament to not just longevity, but it's like, a uh, I I it's something that I look at and I'm just like, Oh man like i i I aspire to have uh, an ultra sign up that's that deep. I got started a little bit later in in life, but um, we'll see. I don't really like to race. I don't like to race a lot, um mainly because of uh right now it's more like uh, fam family stuff. but mm-hmm. um but yeah i I am uh you're definitely an inspiration as far as uh the longevity in the sport and I think, you know, we'll dive into that as well. but you know, you mentioned the Canyon and I was going to, I was wondering when we were going to dive into, um, you know, doing it running the grand Canyon, but like, you know, you're in Phoenix, it's kind of your backyard. And I know that like, especially with the free trail fam on Slack, if anyone even mentions the grand Canyon, you're very quick to, to give as much as much or as little advice as they're willing to take from you. Um, and you're kind of like the go-to, um, for, for Intel and beta on the Canyon. But, uh, what is it about the Grand Canyon? I mean, that just keeps keeps you coming back and, and I guess how many times have you done the, the crossing and um and yeah, and like what is it about the canyon that that just yeah. is is so mesmerizing for you?
1: So I mean a count of the canyon, I I can't give you a count because it's since yeah, since the early two thousands I've I have not missed a year of getting out there, but I've done it multiple times a year. And I'll do them in all different type of fashions of of one day, two days. Um, maybe just making it a 35 miler or different type of training. Um, there's different routes that you can take, but as far as the main corridor, it's the classic one of going, you know, bright angel across, you know, to North Kaibab and back or, or taking the South Kaibab trail down. And I don't know, I just said it's, it is gorgeous. You know, you're going from, to the pine trees of, you know, um, Seven thousand feet, heading down to a desert landscape. You know, wild animals. Um, I mean, it's a national wonder. Uh, You know, just it's just amazing to look from one side to the other and think I crossed that. Uh, I mean, you have to. I think you have to be there to see it. Um, But it never gets old, and I just love sharing it with people for their first time.
0: Are you looking for comfy, sustainable apparel to show off your love of the trails? off the trails, while giving back to support the natural places where you love to recreate, then go check out Run Trail Life. With designs that use sustainable materials, we have comfortable and styly hats and tees that you are going to love. With each item purchased, I will donate to Runners for Public Lands. If I sound excited about RTL, that is because I am the founder and sole operator behind the brand. I do all the things. So if you want to support me, and the trails, go check out Run Trail Life. If you use code MidpackerPod, I will double your order donation. Visit runtraillife.com and pick up something.
1: So since I've done it so many times, I've got the logistics down pretty well. I know the, the things that can go wrong. And I know you know, I know where you should probably take it easy, where you should have your nutrition, where your water stops are. I've seen a lot of people go down, you know, usually if we, early on, we have always had, you know, seven to 10 people in our groups and there's classically, there's always going to be one and you never know if, if it's going to be the person that's in great shape, but, or not so great shape, but someone's going to have trouble. And um, it's a great introduction yeah. to ultra running because it's problem solving and being prepared for any kind of problems that come up, but that's part of the challenge and there's no There's no time limit to do it. So um, it's kind of like fun ultra without a clock. You know, there's in the people when they do have troubles. I mean, I keep reminding them, you can't DNF this. Like you have to come out so there is so no, there's zero dnFs in the Grand Canyon,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it's really difficult to to hitch a ride on a mule train right they they probably uh, don't don't look too kindly on on picking up uh, that's a, yeah triagulars. there's a no you
1: you get yourself in <laughs> they you get yourself out
0: <laughs> no, no, and that's kind of a it's a good it can be a good trial by fire for people, and I know for you know at least the ultra running community you know that route is is a pilgrimage you know to to kind of do uh the bright angel north kaibob and then and then bring it back home is uh is something that uh i think most ultra runners aspire to at least try to do once um i always kicked myself when i lived on the west coast for not doing it you know just like there was a couple opportunities i had to i could have i could have done it and i just it just wasn't in the cards year after year and whatever. I'm not complaining. The the beast coast is where it's at, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely have to figure out if not, if it's when I'm um, going to get an opportunity to do it. So, uh, well, if and I think you th- get
1: a chance to come out to Arizona, you lo- you hit me up and, uh, yeah, I'd love to share it with you.
0: Yeah, know we'll do. And I think you mentioned it's a very, it could, you have to be prepared for it, but it is kind of a route that, I mean, it's you know, there's water. There's two. There's is there two places? You, you mean depending on the time of year, but most of the time when people are, are doing it, there's there's two opportunities to get water in the canyon. Um, and oh, there's, there's more. Also, there's more than there's two. More than that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's quite phanto, a bit. I, I mean, Phantom Ranch.
1: Yeah, they have. Um, you know, recently or well, a lot they have water breaks in their in the pipes. So you always have to keep up yeah. to date with what is. The conditions but if you're coming up bright angel there's water every mile and a half oh. you think you know when you get closer to the top but you think that seems like a lot but if it's 110 or 115 sure it's it's not that it's not that you run out of water it's that you're just so hot that you need it to pour on your body to cool yep. your temperature core. you know your core temperature down and um So it's the time of year when you go makes a huge difference. And the classic times are May. That's the busiest time right when it opens. uh, May 15th is when that north uh, corridor opens. And so that's like the busiest time of year. And that's when it's super hot.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I know a lot of people try to do the fall expedition before they close off the water sites, which can be tricky because you just never know when. Because it's... You never know when the snow is going to show up as soon as the snow happens it's like they the water gets shut down um but
1: yeah, but yeah I mean it, what's exciting it, is I I mean I was there uh this fall and I was just doing some hikes on the on the north side um, before they closed it and they they were doing seismic studies because they're going to um work on doing an underground pipeline on the north side that will hopefully Keep it from freezing, keeping those lines from breaking, and create more of a year-round opportunity. Um, if you know, at least for water ability. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that was really exciting to see them doing that.
0: No, that's really cool. And like as someone like I've been out, not obviously not in Arizona, but when it's hot, like you, the water goes very quickly when it's hot. You know, like I I've been out on long runs and I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go do 27 miles and I know where my sources are. And then, you know, you get 10 mile, you get 10 miles into it and the liter of water you started with is gone mm-hmm. and been gone. And you're like, <laughs> Oh, I still have like three miles. You know what I mean? Like I still have like three miles before I can hit my next water source. And so, you know, it's something you definitely have to be pretty mindful of when the temperatures are, are getting anywhere close to hundred degrees. Like it just, it, the water just seems to, it doesn't, not only does it evaporate off your body, but it definitely evaporates out of the bottles very quickly. So.
1: Yeah. And vertical miles are a lot different than flat miles. So, you know, you finish, these are opposite than mountain runs because, you know, you get to start going on a downhill, but you have to climb your way out. And so it's that last, you think I feel great after going in, you know, 18 miles, but now you've got 5,000 feet to climb. And that's how it gets you.
0: Yeah, it's, and it's, it's most, I mean, I guess a lot of people will say it's, it's, it's runnable grades for the most part. I know there's some pretty steep pitches in there, but like you said, it's, it doesn't stop. It's just relentless 5,000, 5,000
1: feet up. In, yeah. You know. um, yeah. They, I mean, I see those guys run, run it really well uphill. I have no idea, but, you know, um, I've been there and I've seen, you know, Jeff Browning run in it and I see, you know, Wamsley, you know, doing practice, you know, for Western States and there, Um, you know, they're just blown by. But for most people, those, the steps are set up for mules. So it's like one and a half, one and a half. Yep. One, it's yeah. really awkward to get a rhythm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Unless you're a gazelle like Jim and you can just kind of prance (laughs) up them. Right. Jeez. Um, well, cool. Like that's, I mean, like I said, I I knew we were going to talk about the Canyon and I'm, I'm kind of stoked we got into it first and foremost. And, uh, like, uh, we'll link to we'll link to to some some places where people can can get in touch with you. And, and if I hope you don't mind if, if anyone does have any questions about the canyon, uh, you know, no, they, please, I know yeah, I, I hope they yeah. do.
1: I've done a lot of Zoom calls um, as people have gotten prepared for the canyon, um, you know, that come that are from out of town. Um, think You know, little things of like, how do you get to the start when there's no shuttle and stuff like that? But
0: yeah, feel free no, to cool. hit me up and that's the logistics night. That's some of the logistics too, is like how you're going to do it. Are you going to have, how do you do crew on one side or the other? Are you going to do crew on one side or the other? Um, you know, obviously if you do rim to rim to rim, you're coming back to where you started, but at the same time, depending on where you're starting, like, um, yeah, the logistics of the Grand Canyon is, is, is something else. And I've, I've never done any hiking there. I've always been like in too much of a hurry to explore. I've always just done the, like, go in stand at the edge experience <laughs> the awe that is the grand canyon and then look down and say gosh and this was before I was into running that I that I'd visited the grand canyon but I just remember you like when you step up, you just don't, you don't even see it until you're right on top of it. And then it just right. opens up in front of you and you're just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. This is the grand Canyon. I got it. I totally I got it. So. And like I said, um, you look
1: across and you're like, really, I'm going to go all the way across that. Or once you do, you're like, I did. I, I just went yeah, all the way across that today. Yeah. It, it's a, yeah. it is a, it's a grand feeling.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm getting like partial goosebumps over here thinking about (laughs) needing to go run the rim to rim to rim so Mm -hmm. uh that is a good thing um so i guess let's just dive into some of the stuff you're doing with the running community because i think um it's super important um you know with free trail you're you're an active member of you show up to office hours a lot you know uh and but then i know there is a specific female running group called free trail fems and I know that you're a real, a, a real active member of that community. What has it been like to just have that kind of access to a dedicated? You know, v- they do virtual office hours every week. Um, what is it like to have access to like a dedicated group of of women um, in the running community and and the ability to just kind of, uh, not necessarily bounce ideas around, but like have that level of camaraderie and and to be able to talk through like women specific issues.
1: Yeah. Well. I mean, you know, like ultra running is a very, very niche type of sport. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I'm involved in running communities here locally, but it's still hard to find people that are in that ultra running niche. You know, if there's yeah. road runners or the shorter stuff and to be able to find the people that get you, get what you like to do, get the races that you like to do, have the same pro you know, problems or challenges, um, And on a kind of a woman twist to it, uh, the free trail fem has been great. Um, So, you know, and we have people internationally that you're talking to, which is so awesome to get to know. And they're and they're all different backgrounds. So we have ones that are really young moms. Then they have ones, you know, like me, that empty nester. So I've kind of been through those certain seasons that I can share my experiences. Um, You know, we have a visually impaired um athlete that shares you know how it is on her side of you know the experience as well and it's just very uh non-judgmental um easy to talk it's not it's not as much where you have to mute yourself like a lot of the larger groups do. It's it's a little sure. bit smaller and intimate where people want to speak up or share something for the day. It's not as structured. You know, you're willing to say, hey, this is what's going on with me this week or this month and and just talk about I'm struggling with injuries or I just had surgery and, and how do I get motivated or not depressed that I'm not, you know, not the athlete that I was. And so, um, yeah, it's just been great to be able to easily share and and people that get you. Cause I do feel, um, you know, I I work, you know, in a business environment and it's, it's kind of compartmentalizing your life because they don't get it. And so I don't often share what I do. You know, you just like have a great weekend, you know, they, they, you know, like, what are you going to do this weekend? Well, I'm going to run just like I did last week. (laughs) And it's, you know, well, if you talk to other people that are, get you, they're like, where are you going to run this weekend? That's their question, you know?
0: (laughs) But most people, like, most, most people that don't do what we do, they only need to hear like the, what you're doing on one weekend before they're like, you're doing one of those crazy runs again. And you're just like, yep, I'm that crazy runner person. That's uh, right. Yeah. going to do I'm, a crazy run, you know, yeah. See you later. Yeah, I'm a little,
1: I'm a little and, mentally unstable. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. And that's cool. It sounds like it's the kind of, um, it's like a group of people getting together, like after post run, like to, to hang out and, and reflect and tell stories and like have that kind of more of an, more of an intimate group than, um, say office hours where we have, you know, sometimes there's like 40 people on office hours and, and, um, you know, let's just say you don't have to hit the raise your hand emoji at, at Freetro Femmes, huh?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: No, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to the FEMS. I know, um, Corinne Chalvoy, she was on the pod. I know she helps to kind of lead and facilitate that group. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, she's I, a lot
1: of fun and, and does a great job. And that's, what's kind of nice with all the three trail channels. It's got a little bit of different spin on whoever's leading it. It has a different feel to it. So
0: yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And And it's just nice to, um, to see that happening in within the community is like, uh, different members, like taking onus and saying like, you know, I think the, the community could really value could could, I think this could add value to the community and in the community, like showing up for that, you know, and I think that's, that's been really cool. Um, just in general with seeing the growth of, of, of what Harmony and Dylan and Ryan have built with free trail is like now it's kind of turning into, that's how, you know, you're, you're building something really special when it starts to create its own autonomy you know, within, within the community. And so, um, it's been really cool to see. So, um,
1: yeah, it's extended into meetups, uh, in person too, which has been fun. You know, when I was in Western States, I met a couple of the free trail films there that, you know, we were just there right before, um, you know, the actual race. And so we met up was great. Um, I've had people hit me up even this week that was, Hey, I'm going to be in town and I need to know where my local trails are to run, you know, while I'm doing a work conference. And so, They just know me. They knew where I'm at, so they knew I'd be a good resource for that. So it's awesome. Yeah, no,
0: that's that's cool. And like, it's really interesting for me because I take I don't I take it for granted that like I'm willing to just open up the Sunto app and start drawing on the map. Like I have mm-hmm. no like like I I, I mean I, I don't get it twisted. I love recommendations of trails, but like I have no problem just like. Going and just putting myself out there, and it's—I've it's gotten. And I say it's gotten me into trouble. I've definitely had to jump over fences on a route that I'm like, oh, now I'm going on private property for the next like yeah. two miles. Okay, well, you this know, one not, of the one of the interesting, you know. Yeah, so. one of the
1: you know top questions that this gal asked me was like, is it safe? Am I staying in a safe right. sp- space to yeah. go outside and run? So yeah. I would be able to tell her that yes, you know, I mean, you always have to be careful and know your surroundings but you know it's a nicer neighborhood she she should feel comfortable to go out and run on her own
0: yeah Yeah. and and that's actually come up on the pod a couple times with female guests and also with um BIPOC members of the running community and it's something that like you know I I mean I I exude white privilege right I'm a male I'm a white male I I have never ever ever once felt unsafe around humans while running. I have definitely feared for my life, like running at night in cat country and like taking sunglasses and and put it behind the back of my head and like had this whole like thinking that I had eyes on me kind kind of situation, but never like, you know, never the same like fears that that especially females have with safety and running and i think that's um it's really cool that you could you could help you you can help with that and, and like add value to that but it's something that was like really i it's been eye-opening for me um hosting the pod is to understand like some of those issues and to say like oh like that totally makes sense but i had to hear someone like tell me about it before i was like before i could put myself in the in in kind of in that position you know and Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's one of those, like
1: you always think it's like one of those things you don't think about. It's something that we always think about. like Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) You know, 100%. And then, and then it starts to put things into perspective where you're like, okay, I totally understand like why this is an issue, you know, and why we should figure, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you solve those kinds of issues. You know, I think it's, it's something that, that it's, it's something that has to be done individually to make, to put yourself in the right position to be safe, like you're talking about. And then ultimately, I mean, there's, you know, we're, we don't want to dive too much into this because we'll start to unpack like the yeah. social <laughs> problems that exist within right. the world in general. And we're definitely not solving that on the podcast today. So <laughs> um, let me ask you, what is, um, is it v- Vitesse?
1: Oh, Vitesse? Vitesse, Yeah.
0: Yeah. What is team Vitesse?
1: Yeah, team Vitesse, um, you know, our tagline is giggle till it hurts. So it's a uh, it's Love kind that. of a <laughs> it's it's a fun group um that are at this point we're kind of you know uh middle aged athletes, we'll say in quotes, athletes, you know, that like to race. Um the the team started basically as a bike group, so it was a road biking group. And it evolved into an I kind of Ironman triathletes as well on the group. And I had some friends that were on the on the team that, you know, I'd cross over because of running and that were triathletes. And so they invited me to like, you know, you should come, you know, we you know, because it's it's a social fun group as well as we encourage each other for in the racing and. Uh, As a team. And so I I joined the team, I became the run captain as the only runner on the team, (laughs) you know, and slowly then I started pulling people in. And so now we've got an an entire running club um, subculture of the team Vitesse and, you know, due to a lot of uh, bike crashes, team members getting hit by cars is kind of evolved mm. in just mountain biking versus road biking. Sure. So we've kind of got, it's a it's, it's a group of mountain bikers and a group of runners. And, um, again, I'd call it like a social club, but it's, uh, also competitive, not, uh, well, we, we compete in our <laughs> a, age. A social age club full, <laughs> full
0: of, full of A type endurance athletes. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, you got it. So, um, yeah. I mean, like right now I I do the, the weekly ride run update, you know, for the team of like, how did everybody's weekends go? How'd their runs go? How did their rides go? Uh, who's got upcoming races and, and that kind of stuff and just kind of keep it fun, keep everybody motivated and accountable to get out there and, and share their goals.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So it's like a local, it's a, it's a local Tempe group then, huh?
1: Um, yeah, it's local Tempe Awatuki. To okay. put, yeah. I mean, that and yeah. that Jane Chandler. So you said
0: mountain biking. Do you guys get out on any of the, uh, do any gravel, any gravel stuff or the, or the wheels, are the wheels too narrow on, on out there to, to handle the kind of, um, there's a, a the mixture. There,
1: there's, yeah, there's a mixture of, of gravel riders and mountain bikers, more, more mountain bikers, but that's slowly getting more and more into, uh, uh gravel races are becoming more popular that I yeah. see. Um, My, myself, I've done a few mountain bike races. It's definitely not my forte, you know, so, um, I've kind of stick on my feet. I'm,
0: (laughs) I'm with you. I have friends that were way into mountain biking and my family has done a lot of bike as cycling and then also mountain biking. And my friends are always like, we need to come ride with us. And I'm like, when I can't run six days a week, I'll come, you know, I just, Right. I have heard so many stories of like, even like just not the road, but on the mountain bikes, but like on the road for sure, like the accidents that happen are real, but even on the mountain bike, like the, the opportunity for injury is like, is, can be, I feel like a little bit more severe than like I tripped on a route and kind of bashed, you know, kind of gashed up my, my, my hand and my knee a little bit, you know? So yeah,
1: I would um, definitely say over 50% of the riders that I know have had a broken cal clavicle. You know, from yeah. my
0: sh- my uncle's done it mm-hmm. twice and he's, yeah. he was, he, he, they, him and his wife live in Colorado and they're big cycle cross and mm-hmm. mountain bikers. And so it's not a, I'm not saying it's not a if it's a win, it's just like the physics involved on the mountain bike. If you go over the top of your handlebars, there is a high probability that, that, that that's going to happen. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But well, that's okay. Cool. I mean, no, they, very- they love it. Right. So.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, totally to each their own. And that's why I tell my friend, I'm just like, I just can't because I love running too much, and I know that like i'll I'll do something stupid and hurt myself and not be able to run, and then I'll just like, yeah, anyway, so um, <laughs> yeah that's that's actually really cool, so what you're saying is it's a it's a local bike group that's now turned into a quasi running group and uh biking slash running group that's a really cool, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about the work and the family balance. It's something I'd like to tease out on the pod because I'm scratching my own itch there, but, um, <clears throat> you recently got your, your, USCA certification I know, um, you operate if it's called Kestrel coaching LLC, and you have a couple athletes. How is, um, yeah. h- how is that? What is, what kind of release has that been for you? Cause I think that's gotta be a nice change of pace, uh, from your, what is, you know, your, you know, regular, it's not a nine to five cause you're an entrepreneur and business owner, but from your, your regular, your, your day job. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'll be at the office and I have got two computers up. I've got, you know, my, you know, my spreadsheets up doing my QuickBooks, closing books, you know, email for work. And then I've got my laptop up where I'm doing schedules. I'm looking at races and, and uh, so I'm trying to balance a little bit of both. Um, And I've got, you know, you know, just kind of slowly organically growing some athletes on my on my schedule. And so I've got a good variety, you know, ones that want to do road running marathons because I've I've done so many road marathon backgrounds that I feel like I can still offer a lot of value there, even though my focus now is ultra running, mountain running. That's where my personal love is. But, you know, I'm able to to share my knowledge on both both aspects. So then I've got a um, a couple of athletes that are ultra runners and they've got specific goals in mind and, you know, we're, we're training and heading for those races. So, um, I wouldn't say it's like for me financially sustainable if I didn't have my other job, but sure. it is, it is, it adds value right now, you know, in some stoke in my life where I, you know, before I was trying to figure out how can I add value? How can I share my knowledge with people? I I did get, you know, and you probably do too. You get a lot of people ask you like, hey, could you give me a training plan? I want to do this race. Or could you give me some advice? And, you know, over the years. And so I thought this, this, I was trying to figure out how can I, you know, give back to the community. And so um, I started the Kestrel Coaching last year and um, I started coaching before I got my certification, but I thought that would be, you know credible to do that. Go ahead. And I got my, I signed up for the certification and it actually surprising was, was a lot of, um, good information. And I got, I think my money's worth out of it. I would recommend it for somebody that's looking at, uh, coaching. Um, it's the US, USCA. So, um, certification, they've got, ultra running, road running, cycling, yep. you need to, there's different certifications that you can get, you know, it's an endurance type of coaching certification, but um, yeah, I've enjoyed doing that. And just, it, it's something um, I would say fun. It's it, I don't want to say a hobby, but it, it kind of is, it kind of falls into probably my nonprofit right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, man, when you have the amount of experience that you have it, like you said, you're like, I'm looking for an outlet to try to give back, but you're also, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into, um, we're going to get into like your vocational life a little bit. I just want to touch on it, but like you're a busy lady, right? So it's like, there's only so many hours of the day that, that, that you can, you know, give back between what you're doing with, uh, with, you know, the, the running clubs, um, what you're doing with free trail and then ultimately your own running and then like managing, you know, multiple, um, role, multiple companies. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to be. And I, and I think it's like when you have that level of experience and you know, you can help someone, it's kind of hard not to want to, to have that, you know, I want to say it's like the warm, fuzzy feeling, but the warm, fuzzy feeling of, of, of helping someone achieve their goals. Right. There's something very special about that. And I know from some of my other friends who are coaches and they're just like, man, man, Half of it is building out a training plan. The other half of it is literally like either te- getting not saying like getting people to step off the ledge or whatever, but like it's more like this life. It's like helping them manage all the things in their life so they can show up to do the training or restructuring the training based on the stress that's in their life. And so a lot of it is really... um as much life coaching as it is like in endurance, endurance training. And do you find that, that, that seems yeah, de- I mean, that can be the case with some of your athletes?
1: Definitely. It's staying in touch, in touch, you know, constantly yeah. it's, it's more than, you know, it's not just an online putting in a schedule. It's, yeah. you know, do you, what kind of niggles do you have that we need to rework on what's coming up? Yeah. Holidays were here. Um, let's restructure stuff. Um, yeah. What's, you know, keeping things motivated. Um, I mean, yeah, it is really getting to know personalities uh, because everybody comes at it at a different, different st- slant. And I mean, that's that's the challenge. It's it's been fun to do that challenge. Um, nobody's, you know, you kind of think, oh, they'll just be like you, but nobody is. You know, everybody's coming from a different angle, right? And yeah. so you've got ones that, um, you know, I've got an athlete that their wife is an athlete. And so, and they have a young child, so it's splitting time. You know, he can Mm. only run three days a week because his wife gets those other days. And so, Mm. you know, what can you do at home that will help balance and, you know, and we're going to make it work with three days a week. Right. You know, and then, you know, how do you negotiate with your wife to get that extra day? Cause that extra day would be great.
0: <laughs> you know? Right. Or, or like set the trainer up next to the, next to the pack and play or mm-hmm. have the trainer ready to, or like before you put the kid down for their nap, you're already in, in, in whatever it is. And you're like jumping on the treadmill very quickly to put in 45 minutes. Cause you know, you right. can get that in then. Yeah. Like I that's something I deal with a lot right now is my wife and I is like, we have a young child and we're splitting our time with him. You know, she's not an athlete, but at the same time, like it's, we don't, we don't do, we're not doing any kind of daycare right now. So it's really about like, how do we manage our needs from a professional standpoint? And then also our needs from like, you know, an emotional, physical, like recreational Mm -hmm. standpoint while, you know, showing up for him on a, on a, on a daily basis too. So um, yeah. yeah, it's, well, and, and things, when my daughter so. got
1: into like school age, you know, there's always activities too, that, you know, you're running around and you'll get yep. there as well. And yeah. so I just always kept running shoes and running clothes in my trunk. So if I could get in, if she's doing a 30 minute, you know, I don't know, gym Gymboree gym class or something, you know, kind of thing or a swim lesson or whatever that I didn't have to sit there, I would get two miles in and then yep. I'd come back, you know? And so it was always these little spurts. And it might be three different runs in a day because I just had those little windows, but I would do those kind of things.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, that's good. That's definitely really good advice. Um, so yeah, bleeding into, you know, you're the COO and the CFO of multiple real estate companies. My, my, my head spins just thinking about that because I know, you know, uh, the amount of spreadsheets that you have to deal with on a daily basis would probably make the, the, the average person like just, yeah, want to shut their computer down. Um, but you know, those are, you know, I, I know from experience, those roles require like, uh, for the most part, a, a lot of time and energy, a lot of systems building, um, a lot of making sure that like all the things that are in the air are like, you know, especially from the operation side, you're going to make sure that you're all the balls that are in the air are being juggled properly. And then on the finance side, you're just having to make sure like, yeah, there's enough grease to keep the gears turning. Right. That's kind yeah. of, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah, you know, I mean
1: it, for me it sits it, my, my personality. Cause it's very structured. Uh, okay. yeah. and, and so like my whole day is always outlined, you know, pretty much I know every hour what I'm going to be doing Um, so, you know, I build it way back. So I've got pretty much 2024 built out. I know what I'm going to do for the year. And then I kind of back it into, you know, what am I doing for the month and then what I'm going to do for, you know, the day. And so the night before I've got it all listed out, um, what I'm going to, you know, what my schedule is going to be. And, um, so I think it's just being really organized. And so, and, and so that just kind of works into, uh, spreadsheets and finance and everything is very very structured <laughs> and um you know once you get the systems in place it's just operating them and just keeping the yep. in the machine working um yeah, and then you know at- putting out fires and 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 then there's you know and you have employees Employees create, um,
0: yeah, they like create the little twists and, yeah <laughs> I, I hate to be like employees create drama, but you have to deal with other people's lives at that point, right? And, and yeah, never, people people not, have not,
1: people have lives, and and they're, and they're messy. You know, lives are messy. Even though I like to have a very very clean structure, you know, lives are messy, and so that just comes into it.
0: Um, do do you ha- do you create open blocks for yourself to do? When when you, I mean, I know like on the marketing side, something that I, I got in the habit of is like, I was always it, early in the morning and in the evening, I was always like my best for certain things. And so I would always have like large blocks in the morning for me to do creative work. And I wouldn't necessarily like, I would structure that work on a weekly basis, but like for the most part, I'm just like organizing like when certain things are happening and saying that like, Tuesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday, like I have a three hour block in the morning that stays open. And that's where I'm doing like X, Y, and Z work. And I'll just kind of fill in what needs to happen from a creative standpoint. Um, are you creating large blocks like that to do focus work? Or is it something to where like, because of the industry and the fact that you already have really good systems in place from an operation standpoint, you really do know from like a, uh, I literally I can't it's almost like a teacher with a lesson plan right you just kind of like you know exactly what each day is going to look like because this is how you keep this is how you get all the tasks done that are required to do the this yeah roles.
1: I mean I do my Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons are my open blocks that I will fill in things that you know I don't know that are going to be coming up or you know if true sure. Um, And so those are pretty much I leave open. But yeah, I mean, on a consistent basis, Monday, Wednesday, um, I'm actually only working in the office Monday through Thursday, which I've been doing. So that leaves the three day weekends, which is I definitely want to make sure I carve those up for um, racing, you know, or, you know, traveling to a race or doing weekend activities or getting away. So um, that's kind of built into my work week, which is nice. Um, And then. You know, I do my strength training, which I work with a trainer for that as well. That's three times a week. So I know that time is blocked out that I'm going to be doing strength training. Um, so Tuesday, Thursday afternoons is kind of like my open time of if things come up, I can fill in. And If I need to do stuff, extra projects that aren't structured, um, that's my open time that I'll do it. And then you know, I like to race a lot. Um, like I said, so I have to build. You're, t- you're time telling for me,
0: man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yeah, so no, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I also, I structure my fun time uh, and which, you know, racing is fun time, but also I love to ski. So, you know, it's ski season. I just came off of, you know, skiing after Christmas. So family time was through Christmas Uh, then my daughter who lives in San Antonio, I flew her out Wednesday morning. I left like a flight after that to the ski slopes and, and skied to the first and had to be back at work on the second. So, you know, I just keep it all, all locked in.
0: Let me, if you don't mind, where'd you, where'd you end up going skiing this year?
1: Um, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe. That's my, that's my go-to, you know, that is like, if there was any other place that I could live. Other than Phoenix, I would live in Lake Tahoe um, so and
0: you so like we, the, you like the like Sierra place Cement, there. huh?
1: Huh?
0: Okay. Okay, that makes yeah. me, I was you like the Sierra Cement, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, that between looking at the looking at the lake and having the snow ba- you know, snow capped mountains, which um, is another reason why I have Tahoe two hundred on my list and I keep going back to Tahoe. Um, you know, if you're gonna be out for two hundred miles, what a better place to do it. Those kind of views, yeah,
0: yeah, no, agreed. uh We'll get into the Tahoe two hundred. I used to before my son was born. I haven't had a chance to do ski trips the last two years because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. My wife doesn't ski, and she's just like, no, dude, like we're not, you're not doing. You just <laughs> we're, and it's not like her. Like I made the decision, but uh yeah. my uncle, I have an uncle that lives in Breckenridge, and so we would just go spend a week in Breck every year. Nice. And it's like, and I used to live in the Sierras, and I used to live in the foothills. When I lived in Placerville, I remember I got like. I think my biggest day is like 65 days of oh, skiing in wow. awesome. one season. I would love to get to that. Were, <laughs> yeah. I had a pretty flexible schedule back then. And it was like I would get up really early. I was 45 minutes from Sierra Tahoe. I would drive to Sierra Tahoe. I would put mm-hmm. turns in for two hours and I would turn around and drive home. And I would be back by like eleven o'clock, eleven thirty every you know, whenever yeah. there was snow. So yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of skiing and I I I can't believe it's been two years. I haven't actually felt snow underneath. Yeah, feet, so we'll have to change that. Um, but I had to ask because, like, living in Phoenix, you kind of—I mean, for the most part, like you're what an hour and a half from Salt Lake. You're two hours from Denver. You're three hour—you know, it's a three hour flight to Tahoe. Like, you kind of have like you could you you can kind of pick your poison, so to speak. And then you also have Flagstaff, and 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 you know, whenever you need to get out for a weekend, if if there is if they when they have snow, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty accessible. Um, I mean, actually I, it's a hour, 15 minutes to Reno and then we just get a car and and we're up yep. in Tahoe. Two hours max round trip. So, um, that's, I think that's easier than driving to Flagstaff, which, you know, is much smaller mountain and it's so crowded.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, ta- I mean, I don't want to, we'll just go talk about t- Tahoe. They are not I mean maybe Salt Lake has the number of resorts that Tahoe has so many you could mm-hmm. you could pick a new resort every single year and you could spend 20 years and 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 finally finish skiing I mean there's so many really cool mountains I remember like gosh where was it that we skied it wasn't sugar where there's one it's it's really tiny but the opening route ra- like you're li- Home. Thank you. Yeah, home. Yeah. So you're literally yeah. skiing down the main run, and you're just l- staring at the lake the whole time. It's almost yeah. like if you fall, you're gonna fall into the lake. So it's like yeah. whatever, two miles or three miles away from you know away from you. But yeah, I mean, just the amount of like fun experiences that I've had skiing in Tahoe. And there are some years where the snow is amazing. It always has decent conditions. You know, I, I will say I've been spoiled some years in Breckenridge too. But you know, they don't call it Blowing Ridge for nothing either. The the, the, <laughs> the wind in the wind in Colorado is 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 something else someday. So Yeah,
1: there's enough resorts there that, you know, if, if the snow is not great in one place that you can just go to a different one um, yeah. because it might be snowing a little bit different conditions. And so, um, yeah, I've been skiing with a girlfriend since we were 18. And oh, so cool. we're, it's just kind of our regular thing that we're always going to. And we did make a point to hit every single ski resort up in Tahoe just to make sure. And Homewood was one like, you know, it has one lift like two runs, and we're like, we just got to check the box. You know, we got to spend one day, just go do it, check the box, and we did it.
0: (laughs) It is a great one to spend one Sugar Bowl's nice. Like I said, Sierra Tahoe, not many people get to it because it's on the south side, and it's kind of not halfway down, but it's like not actually on the lake. And it's got... It's got some backcountry stuff, and it's got some fun little things that you can do, and it's a pretty decent resort considering, you know, like I said, it was only a forty-five oh. minute drive from where I was at in Placerville. So, um, yeah. okay, I won't. We won't be I'm getting for all of our all audience right. members it's, who it's don't know ski pod. how to ski. It's a yeah, it's, it's not a ski pod. pod though. I love, I, I love, <laughs> I love skiing. Like it's, yeah. it's something that I look back and I thank my parents so much for giving me the gift because the last time I went skiing with a bunch of my friends, they were like. Dang Troy, you're really good. And I'm like, I, I get. Like I just take for granted that I have it, <laughs> that I have the skill set. And I'm not like the best skier, but I'm definitely in the 90th percentile of people on the mountain. You know, like nice. I can go down a double black diamond. I don't like mogul fields at all. Like I, I'm i not a fan, but like if there's three feet of powder on top of them, let's go. You know? Right. So it's like I, I love having that skill set. And it's something that like I took for granted until I was in my until I was in my late 30s and I was like skiing with a bunch of friends and the, you know guys that are trying to learn how to ski for the first time and i'm just like yeah i'm not i can't wait on you guys man we're doing laps let's let's do it so
1: yeah
0: um yeah. keep that
1: mind as a parent you know introduce him yeah
0: yeah well my <laughs> uncle my uncle and aunt are very excited to get my little guy out to colorado at some point here in the next probably two i'd say two years to to learn how to ski so and i'm excited uh to get him on the slopes all right, let's talk about Free Trail, the community of trail and ultra runners I have personally loved being a part of. If you are looking for a way to bring the trail and ultra community with you everywhere you go, you have to join Free Trail Pro. For only $96 a year, you get access to the Free Trail Slack community, training plans, deep discounts with brand partners, and access to the weekly office hour Zoom calls where we gather as a community to talk about specific run-related topics, as well as have special guest Q&As and so much more. These calls have been a highlight of my week. I cannot say enough. I love, love, love the Free Trail community. And if you want to support some of the best audio, video, and written content in our sport, visit freetrail.com and consider joining the Free Trail fam with a Free Trail Pro subscription hope to see you in the Free Trail Slack community and when you introduce yourself mention the Midbacker pod. Okay, so balancing it all, right? Like you yeah. you do a lot, you got a lot on your plate and you mentioned when we first started the pod like you've got six kiddos, five of Gosh. them step step kids, you got seven was it 17 grandkids? I know you mentioned mm-hmm. you're an empty nester now but like <laughs> what was it like trying to grow your businesses balance your training and then also like raising, you know, all these little, all, all these little ones. Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess it wasn't all that long ago, but you know,
1: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. My husband and I have been together 30 years, so I guess it's, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. but it was like instant family, you know, it was kind of yeah. like, hold on, uh, you know, I'm in my twenties and like, okay, here we go. Instant family. Um, you know, there, there's an age gap, so they're quite a bit older, you know, some were in high school. I only had one that was in elementary school at the time. Um, couple are in college. So, um, okay. it wasn't spread out pretty that, good. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like- it, it wasn't
0: full. It wasn't like full house on you. Right. Exactly. So,
1: yeah. But you know, it's still kind of a shock to the system, right? You go from being completely independent, you know, and then all of a sudden instant household, um, of kids and stuff. But, um, I mean, I almost thought, too, working helped balance that because, you know, I have my own time at work um, and then, you know, and then with the family, you get back and then you're all in with the kids and with the family. Um, So, you know, almost selfishly getting, you know, having my own career and getting outside was my own time and i think that helped me mentally be you know continue to be healthy and uh, then when we had our daughter together i continued i had started uh, my own land banking business which is kind of like an off balance sheet little niche type of financing vehicle um, for home builders and um, and i did that so you know i continued to work you know not full time but like 30 hours a week outside of the household and um I think I think actually balancing and having more of that kept me mentally healthy and kept me being a better mom uh, myself. So
0: yeah. And you mentioned before, too, that like you're you know what 430 a.m. is, right? Like it's it's get up early, get 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 up early. It's, get it's earlier U, get than get 430 30 here. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> OK. There you go. Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. Especially in the summertime. But yeah, you just you find out you just back into like how what I got to do. And then you just back into what time that alarm's going off. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I will tell you, Deb, I'm having a hard, I used to be a very, I used to be very much a morning person with my training and recently, and I don't know if it's just because of the transition we're in with, with my son. Like I've been having a hard time getting up before the sun, you know, before the dawn to get the running in. Plus it doesn't help that it's like, I don't know, 20 something degrees in the morning when I wake up. So, you know, that's. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, yeah, when I'm in Tahoe, it's hard to get out before the sun comes up. Um, so I, I feel for you, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't in the Phoenix area because here we do most all our runs before the sun comes up, you know, that's just the way you do it. Yeah. Well, it makes sense too, because
0: the sun, it gets hot. Like even when it's like almost freezing in the morning, like as soon as the sun comes up, all of a sudden it's 60, it's 65 degrees and climbing like very quickly in the desert. So
1: which is cold. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah no and that, and that that's cool and that makes sense like I didn't realize how much they were spread out I know it's tough like I know from my personal experience like I've got one and I'm just like I don't know how people do it with multiple kids like it's 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 a lot you know and obviously like you mentioned you know yeah. having your business and being in an opportunity to have a little bit of help with both you and your husband um, working to provide for the family like also kind of helps uh, and I think you know, I just think it's important. I think you mentioned it, like, still being able to make sure that you're focused on like, what makes you happy. And then ultimately, like what focused on what you're building to is also really, really, really important that it can't as much as it needs to be all about the little, the little ones, it can't be all about the little ones, right? There are certain things you're doing that, that play a future role in that, like what you're building and what you're trying to create. So
1: yeah. I mean, I, I know my daughter, you know, I definitely was there for all the things that she wanted to do, you know, lots of extracurricular activities, but she grew up hanging out with mom also on the mountain, uh, you know, at races, at 100 milers, you know, through yeah. the night. She she knows all about what that's to. So I think that was good exposure for her as well of, of seeing that mom did, you know, had her focus as well and her hobbies and and you know, she's used to hearing that alarm was going off every morning and knew mom where mom was. <laughs> you know, yeah. she could get her own bowl of cereal if she needed to.
0: Yeah, and I also think it's important for them to see like you they see you set the goal they see you put the work in and then they see you succeed at the goal like there's something and they know that you're not doing something really easy they know they know you're doing something very hard you know they understand from from even the time the time how long it takes to complete a 100-miler or a 200-miler they're like okay this is not just like a walk in the park here and i think that's also really important because it shows them like for one like you complete what you start, but then for two, like you can set these hard goals and then, you, you know, hear the steps and they see you do the steps. And maybe it's not like intuitive, like when they're younger, but they're like, they're watching it happen. And I'm like, my son's like 20, almost 21, 22 months old. And like, he he, do, he understands like everything that I I know he does. Like I'm looking, he, he, his vocabulary is limited how he can communicate with me is very limited, but like he understands so much of what's going on. And so like, I can only imagine that, you know, as they get older, they're just soaking it all up and they're seeing it and whether or not they can articulate what they're seeing, it's still setting an amazing example for them. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Um, well let's, jo- I want to dive into your calendar this year and I know, you know, you like to race, um, you got a lot going on, but you know, you're, you're going to go run the Tahoe 200. Um, you're going to, you're, you're going to total line javelina for the fifth time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like just talk about what you have on the calendar this year and, and, and what, what's got you stoked, um, for the season. Yeah. I know it's still early, so.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I do like to use races as training, so I throw a lot of 50 sure. Ks on the calendar, you know, like I'm this Saturday, Um, I'm going to do Santan Scramble 50K just to kind of kick off the year. Um, But it's but I, you know, I always identify a couple a races and I like them to have big, scary goals. Um, Ones that there's no guarantee of finishing, you know, and that I'm going to have to go outside the box to get get it done. Um, And so Tahoe 200 is my a race. Um, I gave it a go last year. And it, the altitude just was a little too much for me, or I don't know, or just I was I needed more, I don't know, more training, you know, who knows, it just was not my day. Um, I struggled with it. And so, you know, since then, I've gotten an altitude tent and um, I'm going to go in and and uh, going to do some altitude training. So hopefully that will give me a little bit more advantage. Uh, this year coming into it and, you know, maybe do a little more vertical training if I can get, depending on the snow conditions, last year was just a crazy, crazy snow uh, yeah, environment yeah. Cool. for Tahoe. They even had to push the race back a month because of the snow conditions. So there was no way to get on the course to actually train. So hopefully this year I might be able to get on the course at the you know high points and, and train a little bit more. Um, and they altered
0: like j- just to back up. I didn't realize you had, you you attempted the, the Tahoe 200 last year. They altered the course like completely, right? They made it this this. They did dump, it. Like it. was, it was a, a out and back, and then a loop or something like that, as opposed to was, the traditional yeah, course. Yeah, it was kind of like, like 20 miles or.
1: It was double out and back, so it went over right? the high point of the course twice, and then it went around. That was on the south side, and then it turned around and went on the north side over to Tahoe City. Um, and added, you know, extra miles and coming back. Um, it looks like they're doing the same course this year, but the same as last year, the same as last year. So at least yeah, I okay. know it,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, well, and, <laughs> yeah, I will just say, I heard from a lot of people that just said it was really challenging. Like it was just a really, it was a very challenging yeah. course, uh, comparatively um, I think, to the original course, so,
1: you know, they don't know what the cutoffs when you, whenever you change a course, you really don't know what reasonable cutoffs are. Um, I think as a race director and this year they're adding, you know, a ton of, um, hours to the front end, the overall cutoff is the same, but they're adding quite a bit of time on the front end. you know, it's like five hours, you know, and it's like, if I would have had that five hours to like have a reset, it would have changed the whole, you know, race completely. So, um, you know, that leaves me uh pretty optimistic however i'm still going to do you know more preparation um yeah. because i want to feel good to do it so um leading up to that i think i've got uh i mean i posted my schedule i should probably look at it but i maybe have five or six races that's coming up i know i've got two in january yeah. so i'm going to do yeah santan 50k cold water 100k big alta 50k february March, I've got Crown King Scramble 50K. That's a good climber here. A lot of them are local Arizona, and I'm so lucky Aravipa, you know, is in my backyard because they do races on every regional park here. And, I mean, I have to give them a lot of credit of where I'm at today of being the ultra runner because they've just opened up the opportunities of local racing. I didn't have to travel very far to get away from family. And um I was somebody that, you know, unlike you said, you could just open Coros and map out something. I, you know, wanted to be comfortable on a trail before I went out there and did it by myself. And so they would do a race. I would go out there, I'd experience the trail, and then I felt comfortable that if I wanted to go back and train on it, I knew the course and True. knew the trails so you know at least at that point in my in my career I'm a lot more confident now than I used to be but um so got that um April I'm doing one road marathon a year so I got Boston marathon then I put back on there um I had a friend talk <laughs> me into it last year and uh so I did it and then I'm like you know what that was a lot of fun. You know, I forgot, I I have done quite a few, I think I've done nine Bostons. And so it was one of those, like, I had forgot that Boston is unique. Uh, You know, the whole community, it kind of has almost an ultra feel how they make it a community event. And it's everybody in Boston know that it's, it's marathon weekend. And you put that jacket on. Um, I always get the marathon jacket beforehand because then people think, Oh, are you, you know, they come up, are you, are you doing the marathon? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. And they're like, oh, so cool. And I'm like, yeah, it is cool. Right. Like, nice.
0: you know? so, <laughs> so you get a little, you get a little stoke from everybody. We, I we get go, a little celebrity.
1: Huh? Yeah, I feel yeah. celebrity status when I got the jacket on in Boston. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> so let, let me, let me ask you really quickly because I'm taking a couple notes for the audience. But you said the Santan 50K. And then what was the 50K between the Santan and the Big Alta? Well,
1: I'm doing, uh, I'm doing cold water 100K.
0: That's right. Two weeks sorry, later. Cold water. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like to, I've realized that, um, you know, we keep, I keep pretty good show notes and like just about everything we'll talk about. I try to link into the show notes, but I have early on, I wasn't linking to races and I've definitely had people reach out and being like, what were those races? You should link them in the show notes. And so now okay. I like try to do a very good job of making sure I link okay. <laughs> all the races. Cause I think a lot of people, honestly, they like, they hear about it and they're like, Oh, I want to check that out. You know, and it makes sense. Cause we're all like, a bunch of Ultron trying, trying to figure out what we're sure. going we to do next. You know, so, yeah.
1: You Santan know. is local to Phoenix. It's on the, you know, Southeast Valley. Coldwater is local to Phoenix. It's in Australia mountains. It's the yep. west of Phoenix area. Um, Crown King that I mentioned, that is, um, it's northwest of Phoenix. Um, it is, it's not part of the uh, Cocodona course, but it kind of has points that crossover on the cocodona course um and so that's that's on there too big alta that you're familiar with um oh, yeah. that is yeah. not an narrow viper race but a yeah. free trail race <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. daybreak <laughs> yeah. and free so, trail and daybreak so
1: yeah so that will be a, that'll be a lot of fun so that will be a you know my travel travel race it'll be fun yep. yeah to go do that and,
0: and I want to just come back to the Tahoe 200 really quickly. Like you've run a bunch of hundreds, you've done a lot of ultras. Like what was, what's different in the training when, when you're thinking about tackling a 200, I know last year was your first one, but you know, you said that you're going to make some changes. Like was, is there anything specific when you're thinking about the top, uh, like a, the 200 mile distance that you were trying to incorporate in your training, like on a, you know, a week, a block, a block by block basis?
1: Well I, I actually did Cocodona 250 oh. the year before. okay so yeah, I did. <laughs>
0: okay yeah I was gonna ask yeah. you if, if, if Cocodona's on on the radar for you obviously being yes. from Phoenix but of course you've already checked that one off the off the I, list. So. I did
1: that one and yeah in 2022 um, and it was different training and it was a blast and for me yeah. it I think I had to be an empty nester for it to work for me. Because what the training was, not that unsimilar of what we do for a normal, for a hundred miler during the week, but for the weekends, it was like, pick a big adventure. Uh, get out in the mountains. You want to be out there all day. And so it was like every weekend, it was like, okay, let me see where I can go for a big adventure for this weekend. And some of them were races, but a lot of them was just go out. You didn't have to go fast. It was putting in a big pack, something that you were going to carry for 12 to 15 hours, have extra supplies, and just explore. So I was just spending time exploring all these different mountain ranges around Arizona. And um, I know a few other people, I heard them like, I'm so burnt out. You know, I can't wait to get Cocodona over with. And I was completely the opposite. I was like, I am having the time of my life, you know.
0: so the focus really what I guess if, if I need if I wanted to alchemize it down, it's like, it's really just focus on time and feet and make sure that you're putting in big days. Cause you're going to need to be okay with that because it's basic. You're just in a 200, you're just stacking big days on top of each other, right? Yeah.
1: Big days and big days. Um, we had a couple, I had a couple of training blocks where it was like, little to no sleep. And it was like in the Grand Canyon. So I went out there and I'd put in, you know, 50 miles in the Grand Canyon, and then sleep like two or three hours and turn around and then go back in the Grand Canyon again. Um, Because I wanted to get the vert. And then I wanted to kind of replicate little sleep. Uh, So
0: yeah, and I feel like that's like what a two I mean, if you're not in the elite field where you're maybe sleeping for you know, an hour total, if you're lucky, you know, they're sleeping like an hour total. I feel like it is kind of like that. You go, you basically go as long as you can sleep for two hours, wake up, go as long as you can sleep for two hours, wake up and just kind of hopefully you're timing it at a, at a place where you can actually get good sleep as opposed to just a bunch of dirt naps. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested by the 200 mile distance, but I'm like, I think if I'm, when I go do my, I have tour is like, a dream race for me Torta Johnson. And So like, that's mm-hmm. kind of, I feel like if I'm going to, I like to just jump feet first into the deep end and do like kind of harder races. And I feel like when you go, when I go to decide to do a 200 for the first time, I'm just going to go ahead and like rip the bandaid do off the over one. there. <laughs> yeah. Go do, go rip the bandaid off in Italy. And I guess on, on, on the lottery side, I think it's like a coin flip that you get in as opposed to like, you know, Western States and hard rock. So at least like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ready this year. I may not be ready next year, but at some point I'm just going to start putting my name in and see what, see how the cards kind of unfold. So yeah, yeah, I just wanted to ask, cause like, I know you've, you obviously you've done like 40 marathons, you've raced a lot of ultras and, um, you know, obviously you're like starting to dabble into the 200 mile scene. And so, yeah uh javelina deb you, yes. you've raced it five times you're getting the jacket. is it you get a jacket at, at 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 your fifth finish is that is you that, get is that yeah what I hear? you get the
1: jacket it's it's kind of motivated me to keep going back um i mean i i go there every year um i've got i don't know three or four hundred k finishes um okay. and then I've got you know the the four hundred miler finishes and I'll go out there i've gone Every year, I think maybe one or two I've missed since I started running it back in gosh, I think what did I first start doing? Two thousand. I think 2010 was my first one. And
0: was was that pre was that pre-the Air Viper acquisition?
1: It was I think that I think Jamil was the race director, but he had not formed his company it was like his first, like, you know, so, they were looking for a race director and so yep. he kind of took over and it was him dabbling into like, well, let me see. I'll, you know, I'll do it. You know, he was young so, and it was him and Nick and, and, uh, um, the, origi- the, the, the year course after then. they, I'm sorry.
0: It was the original course then the first year you ran it. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. I've ran it a cool. few times yeah. with the
1: original course. Um, yeah. which I personally, I know it's a lot of loops, but I personally liked it. I had, I had gotten all the, the aid stations figured out like how much I needed for every aid station. And, um, you know, so it was seven loops, you know, now it's the five loops and they're bigger loops. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. yeah, I go back every year if, even if I'm just pacing or volunteering and, and stuff, it's such a party. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's grown from the first year I did it. Uh, I had a friend that came out and helped me and he brought an RV and it was the only RV in the lot. And so boy,
0: how, boy, how times have changed, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you been out there? I haven't. It's like another one of those things where I just can't believe, I mean, all the fun stuff that you guys do in Arizona and I've yet to experience any ultra running in Arizona. um, And it's one of those, it's like, from what I see, it's like, I don't, if you can make it work, I just don't know why you wouldn't show up even if you're not running, you know, just to like be the, what, what vibe what Jamil has created, what vibe has created there um, in the desert is uh, is pretty special way for the community to kind of get together. And to me, it's always felt like kind of like the end of the year celebration. You know, it's not mm-hmm. the last race on, on anyone. It's not the last race you can put on your calendar, but it's definitely um, a great way to get a lot of the community together and, and just kind of have a good time with it. And I feel like it's probably the ra- If I do ever decide to run Javelina, it'll, it'll, it'll be... Uh, <sighs> it'll end up being my fastest hundred miler if I can finish it because of just the nature of the event. It's not, it just doesn't, it's got some technical running, but it just doesn't have the kind of vertical that I end up running usually when, when I sign up for races. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say it's like the ending of the season for me, that's every year, that's the end of my season. And that's how even I've got a, I've got a hundred miler on my schedule for September that will be a challenge. I signed up for Mogian monster. Um, which
0: go big or go home, for, Deb? Jeez. is
1: another air viper race, but it's you know it's just north of the Phoenix Valley and yep. and uh, Pine, Arizona. It it goes along uh, part of the Highline Trail, which is the Arizona Trail, but then also goes up to the Rim five or six times, bunch of vert. Um, and, you know that one will be a challenge. So when I roll into that will just be a fun, just get it done, survive it, you know, be out there for the people, the the fun and the vibes.
0: Yeah. Well, Mogulon, I've had, I had a buddy run it from where I lived in Sonoma County and he was like, dude, it's literally the most I've had. He had like, like the most epic hundred mile experience ever as far as like the views when you get up on the Ridge, just like the things that, the, that you see how hard it is, but just how beautiful it is out there. He's just like, man, yeah. Him, him describing the race to me, I was like, okay, like I've got a short list of things, you know, Mogollon's definitely on the list. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to get them all done because there's just so many great races to run, um, in this country, but, but yeah, it that's, is. that's really cool.
1: Um, yeah. Like an empty nester life is, you know, you've only got 18 years to go. <laughs> well,
0: I joke with, I joke with people like, I'm going to be 60 when my son graduates high school. So okay. <laughs> I, I'm hoping, you know, and I think this may be a good segue. Like I am trying to do all the things um, to create longevity for me in the sport because I love it so much. Um, and that's also part of the reason why I, 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 I race as infrequently as I do Um, A lot of it has to do with like life and building some doing some of the things I've done from an entrepreneurial side. And then ultimately, like when you have a kid and they're and they're young, it's you kind of have to kind of pull back just a little bit. At least that's how Mm -hmm. I felt about it. Um, But, you know, I think that's a good way to a good way for us to close out the conversation is just like talking about. Um, you know, how do you create that longevity for yourself in the sport? I mean, you've been, you, you mentioned your first ultra was what back in 2005 and, and here's here right. we're going on almost 20 years of running ultras. And before that you ran 40 marathons. And, um, are there any, uh, obviously I'm going to let you wax elo- eloquently about it, Dev, but is there anything that you, you'd, you'd want to leave the audience with is like things that, that we should be thinking about, um, when it comes to to trying to, to create that kind of longevity for ourselves?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's really two aspects is the mental and the physical, uh, you know, the mental, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be able to reframe, you know, yourself and not compare yourself to your old times, your own, your old athletic abilities and, and be okay and feel like you're still enjoying getting out there at a slower pace at a, you know, uh, you know, just kind of enjoying being out um, maybe with the other runners, not competing so much, or maybe competing with your age groups, um, just mentally being okay that, you know, you're not as fast as you used to be. And things might hurt a little bit more. And, but on the physical side, you got to do so much more, you know, you can't just be okay running a lot of miles. When I first started, I just thought the, I would get better by running more. You know, and so you started and it's like, if I ran 70 miles a week, I'm gonna get better. If I run a hundred miles a week, I'll even be better. And then there was a point where, okay, I have a stress fracture, that didn't work, right? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, um, and, and so then over time you just get smarter and you realize, you know, I have to do strength training three times a week. And if I didn't do it, I believe I would be out of balance I would end up with some kind of, you know, stress fracture and ins- some kind of injury. Um, I have to do yoga on a regular basis. Right now, I decided to start, you know, a 30-day yoga challenge for myself in January, which I've been doing for quite a few years now. But also during the rest of the year, I'm doing yoga a couple times a week. And it doesn't have to be really long. It could be 20 minutes. It could be 30 minutes or, you know, a day. But that helps so much. Um, just trying to keep flexible. Um, You know, you just have to do it. And then, you know, I probably run average 40 miles a week now, and I might top out to 70 on a big weekend, but I'm doing cross training. So I'm incorporating biking and there are spin bikes, you know, um, easy, you know, not really intense stuff. And um, you've got to do all the things to be able to keep going. Um, And then Keeping track of what your your nutrition and your blood work looks like. I mean, I'd really recommend going to a doctor and getting blood draws because, you know, you can't absorb everything like you used to. You know, your probiotics um, in your stomach are different and you need to see where your imbalances are and you probably need a supplement. You know, so you've got to do that stuff if you want to keep going. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, it's so funny because I'm in my head going, okay, check, check, check. Like I I got my first set of blood work last year. Like I haven't had blood. I'm 43 years old. And at 42, Mm. I decided I'm going to start getting blood work done for the first time. Everything looked pretty good. There's a couple of things that I wanted that that I've been working on, but, um, and like, you know you mentioned the strength training and i want to kind of unpack a little bit and, and double click when you say three days a week is that like one upper body day one lower body day and a combo day or like what is that is there just focus on different muscle groups is it um
1: it, it, it does it's not re- that structured it's um and i work with a trainer that knows what my race schedules are um okay. and she is a funk you know she basically she you know she has an exercise um, physiology degree and she also, you know, is a athlete. So we're focusing on doing stuff, ready, getting ready for races. So it's, it's everything from Pilates to upper body days, lower bodies and functional training. You know, right. um, we're, it's always mixing it up. It's never, it's not like an upper body on Monday, it's lower body on Wednesday. It is always changing. Um, doing, it's, it's not so much heavy lifting, a lot more functional training um, endurance training. So like multiple reps, you know, burning out, getting strength. Um, also some stuff that, I don't know, she'll incorporate things just to keep it fun. Like she thinks I should be able to do handstands. I don't know, as a 55 year old woman, I should be able to do handstands, (laughs) but you know, we've been spending two months on just, you know, 10 minutes every session. Okay. Let's work on your handstands, (laughs) you know, or, you know,
0: No, see, so that's really cool. I can still do handstands though. I have a wrist issue that everyone, you know, it'll kind of flare up every once in a while. And, um, but yeah, I used to like pride myself in being able to walk on my hands and,
1: and do all that fun
0: <laughs> stuff when I was in my twenties <laughs> and thirties. So I don't right. know why. I'd probably hurt myself if I tried to do that now. So,
1: yeah, but you know, you run and you're on the same plane and so you need to be able to work on yep. on your body on different planes and we're doing ultra running. So we need to build strength on step ups Uh, you know, and we do box jumps and, you know, everything for, you know, vertical as well. So, um, you know, you lose strength as you get older and, and, uh, it's just the more you're consistent, you are, um, the better off you'll be. I think it doesn't have to be hard. It just needs to be consistent.
0: Yeah, agreed. I have a routine that I do it's kind of a lot of the same stuff and it's just only because it's stuff that i've taken it's like i do a lot of like like you were saying functional but more like single like single legged stuff mm-hmm. where it's more about sim- very similar to what kind of the demands of the running is um but i also have just kind of you get into these routines and i'm just wondering um if i should be trying to switch that up a little bit too but um but yeah i'm i'm, I'm like i said you started mentioning the things and i'm like okay cool i'm doing the strength training <laughs> i do a lot of pt and floor work like core work and floor work i don't do as much yoga as i used to anymore um doing the blood work like definitely focusing on my nutrition so i'm like okay cool like i'm i'm checking all the dev's boxes this is a good thing i'm starting i'm start i'm starting early so um <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And like I said, go back to the mental, you know, I know people that like, it's hard. And so they decide I'm not going to race anymore. I'm going to back off. And maybe I'm too old. And I I don't think you are too old. I don't think there is an age that's too old to do this. Um, You know, and I don't know why people get in their heads and think that I'm aged out. Um, I think you can still get out there. And there's races that give you extra time or um, you know, and, and so you can still feel as satisfied and get as much out of it as you did when you're in twenties your and your thirties.
0: Here, here. And I think it's also <laughs> something about like, uh, I don't say growing, growing, aging as an athlete, but like you, you, you know, when, even if you're an elite, you phase out and then you pick, you, you know, if, if like Carl is a great example, right? Like the guy was, the man when he was in his prime and then he had the he was on this like i'm gonna win a hundred miler like journey right so every for 20 years and he finally mm-hmm. lost he finally wasn't able to put it together but like toward the end there like he's not going to the most competitive hundred milers to win because the guy's 40 right. something almost 50 years you know the guy's getting on 50 and he's like okay like i'm still fast i can still win these things but i gotta pick the right races to do it and if you think if you take that as you know what figuring out what your goals are and then you're just like, cool, like I want to be able to complete an ultra marathon at whatever it is, 65. Well, that may mean you're going to pick one that has like very generous cutoffs and very generous mm-hmm. finishing times because that just gives you the leeway you need uh, to have the day that that you need to have in order to complete that. And I think, um, you know, coming back to what you're saying, like the mental game is like, are you still mentally in it? And like, how do you create that balance in your life? So that way you can still keep showing up for, for your endurance self and and not just kind of think that you have to phase that part of your life out you know so
1: yeah we yeah we just came off across the years uh here locally which is like just a lap kind of you know a one mile lap um five days four days three days two well you pick your your time frame and they had a 92 year old out there you know setting records they did (laughs) Yeah. Uh, do you remember I
0: mean, how how long he actually went this year? I saw a couple. I, I saw some social social content, so I yeah, I saw no. some
1: some as well. I didn't catch what the mileage was because I think when I saw it, he was still on the go. Right. So I, I didn't know what the the final count was.
0: I mean, the guy and they do. It, he was doing him. He had his yeah. poles out. He was like yeah. moving at what would be considered like a slow to medium walking pace. You know, like the guy's not out there clipping off. 10 minute miles now he's out there just right. doing him and he's 90 something years old and he's like taking names out there so i love i mean yeah. i love that and like when i see that kind of when i see that kind of thing i'm like okay cool so like there's a chance and it, it just come back it comes back to what you said originally when we started this part of the segment this part of the pod was like it's about reframing where you are and understanding that uh you know um you have seasons in your life mm-hmm. just like you have seasons of your year and it's like this is the i am like a really slow ultra runner season of my life. And you have to kind of decide, I mean, I think it's, it's good to try to hold on to as much speed as possible. It's good to try to hold on to being competitive, but like when you're 90 something years old, man, you have nothing to prove It's up for right. it to yourself and what you can do, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> I love Amen. that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk on the pod Deb, before we round down the conversation?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we've covered quite a bit. we definitely yeah. covered quite a bit. So, Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to 2024. I mean, I've got a a lot of big things on there. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what free trail does as well. I I think this might be a big year for them too.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for all those things. And I'm, I'm taking a similar approach with like doing a lot of 50 Ks early. And I think my longest run this year is going to be a 70.5 miler. And then I, that's That's it. I mean,
1: that's still going to hurt. Right. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. But it's not like, uh, man. So I swore off hundreds in 2024. And so I'm like, cause it just takes too much time for training, takes too much time away from my family. And then like, not to belabor the point, cause I think I've said this multiple times, multiple times in the pod, like the week after Hunter hundred miler, like I am not, I, I am not showing up as my full genuine self for my family and for my kid. And so I just realized like, okay, I don't need a hard rock qualifier. I can w- where on the East Coast can I run the shortest distance to get a Western States qualifier? Yeah. It's 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 a uh, Laurel Highlands, and so I'm mean, and that's an epic like really cool historic race. So I'm excited to go run that. But I kind of have my summer wide open, and I'm going to go back to running the the races I know I could like drive to finish, drive home, and st- like maybe I'm sore the next day for the next two or three days, but I'm not like yeah, I'm not just completely out of it for a week, right? You know? Destroyed, so, sure. Yeah, I'm not destroyed. Like I. I still have 50 K legs, you know, I, I can, mm-hmm. I can go run a 50 K drive home and wake up the next morning and, and put in a 10 miler if I have to, you know, I have that kind of fitness. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at in, in 2024. And I will say I'm looking, cause I took the notes. They're sitting right in front of me. I'm looking at your race schedule this year and I'm just like, okay, yeah. When 55, when Troy's 55, this is what his race schedule needs to look like. Okay. Let's go. So, um, <laughs> Well, Deb, I'm going to make you, uh, if if you've listened to the pod, so you know, the questions that are coming up next, we're going to do the, my rapid fire questions for you. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you have the last word for the audience and, and we'll let you get back to your day. So and I, I want to say I appreciate you uh, carving out the time for me. And it's been really nice to get to know you a little bit better, though. I feel like I know you, I knew you pretty well from uh, the amount of uh, times we, we've spent having conversations on office hours. But uh, it's really nice to be able to sit down with you for for an hour and a half and and, and really unpack uh, unpack you and, and and what you have going on. So
1: I agree. Same same here.
0: Yep. Uh okay, cool. So first question, uh ultra marathon man or born to run?
1: Um, actually ultra marathon man because okay. uh yeah, the two hundred I had mentioned that relay that I did. Um it was called the relay. It was over in California and it went from Sonoma down to Santa Cruz and Dean was running there solo for his two hundred and he was yeah. team okay. Dean. Yeah. And yeah. I got to I re- meet him there and he signed the book. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I remember him talking about that. It's called the relay, right?
1: It was called the relay. It was for okay, organs cool. RS. Yeah, it was. Uh, Very yeah,
0: cool. nonprofit. Um. Okay. Favorite distance to race. I mean, race like favorite distance to race. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, the most epic experience I still think is Coca Dona 250 that I've done. Um. So, um, I'm gonna say that's that's. I mean, race. I'm going to say as loosely, I finished.
0: Air quotes. Finish. Right? Yeah. Finish yeah, yeah, is racing
1: yeah. for a 250. Yes, that's
0: what's up. It's like there's only one on the planet, and that's the one I like to race. You know, I love that. So, <laughs> uh, final question: um, What's your favorite post-race meal? And I mean a real meal, not like when you can eat. You know, like not like maybe may the next day, but like your first full meal um, post a, a really hard effort. What's your favorite? What, what's your go-to?
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely am craving vegetables because of all of the crap that I usually eat during an ultra. Yeah, so it's got to be heavy in the vegetables, but you know and I'm and I'm typically uh, eating every 2 hours, but I would definitely I'd say something that's like a pasta base with a ton of broccoli in it. Um, you know, tomatoes, that kind of thing like that. So, maybe spaghetti broccoli, uh, you know, I don't have a, a real specific, but um, something like that. Anything with lots of vegetables, fresh vegetables in it.
0: I love that because you're you're breaking the mold. Like ninety ninety percent of my audience is ninety percent of my guests, excuse me, is like either pizza or burgers. Like that's basically been the like uh <laughs> consen- cons- if if I if I graphed all this on a pie chart, there'd be this tiny little sliver of everything else and it would be like split between, yeah. uh, between pizza and burger. So um <laughs> Yeah. No, love that. So, uh, Deb, where, where can people find you and, um, any last closing remarks you have for the audience? I'll give the, I'll, I'll give them to you. So, yeah.
1: Um, well, Instagram I'm at Deb runs far. Facebook is Deb Hamberlin. Um, my coaching business is Kestrel coaching com, And I'm also on Facebook with Kestrel coaching LLC. Um, but on there, it, it links, you can feel free to email me or message me on any of those. If you've got questions on the Grand Canyon, um, if you're interested in coaching, um, especially if you, some one of the Arizona races or the Southwest races, things that I've done before and you, and you want some insight, um, feel free to hit me up and you can have free consultation or just questions about it without coaching. You know, I feel free to drop me a line.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. And and again, Deb, you know, thank you and uh, good luck thank on this epic year. I'm excited to, uh, to get all of the, uh, the blow by blows on uh, Free Trail Slack as, as you complete all these oh, epic events. So.
1: Oh, one last comment I wanted to, to share with you, Troy, was that you have one of the best pod voices in the business. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you were born for doing podcasts. Oh, thank you. The
0: mic, you, you, no one gets to see the mic, but the mic helps. The mic, I, I say to everyone, the mic gives me sexy voice. So. Is
1: it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Deb, I'll let you get back to your day. And again, thank you so much for your time. And I uh, appreciate uh, you right. being on the pod.
1: You bet. Take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you are still here, thank you for listening to the end of the show. What would you think of the episode? Drop me a comment using the comment form at the top of the show notes. You can find a link. Also, make sure you are following us on Instagram at midpackerpod. Share this episode on your stories and I will make sure to reshare it. If you are interested in supporting any of our sponsors, you can find links and codes in the show notes. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in and for your ongoing support. It definitely means the world to me. See you next time on The Midpacker Pod.